Hey guys, I'm Eric Greitens, Navy SEAL and host of Actionable Intelligence. Now this episode is brought to you by Heritage Action. Heritage Action is America's leading conservative grassroots organization, as many of you know. For the last decade, they and their network of activists across the country have led the fight against the Washington establishment. Heritage Action is also sponsoring Just the News for our very first Blue Courage event. And I've been amazed at how they have stood up to support our police officers in 2020. I encourage you, please, to go out to www.policepledge.com. Check out the work they're doing to get our lawmakers to support our men and women in law enforcement. To date, Heritage Action has gotten over 500 elected officials and candidates to take the pledge. This is important because they're opposing the defund the police movement and standing up for our police officers. It's incredible work. It's so important to make sure that our representatives in government don't turn their backs on the police, but instead have the backs of our police. So every listener of this podcast, I encourage you, go out to www policepledge.com. Check it out for yourself. You can sign the pledge and then make sure that your elected officials have signed on to. Just go to www.policepledge.com. Talk to you soon. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from yeah, Just the News. You know about us. You've been reading us. We appreciate it. We love you. Thank you for that support. Thank you for reading us. Uh, today, we're going to hop right to a very important interview. Uh, we've got Amanda Milius, the producer of the new movie, The Plot Against the President. This is the best film storytelling of the what happened in Russiagate and the Russia hoax that I have seen. It is so well done. If you haven't had a chance to go see this, uh, watch it. It's going to a lot of local theaters in middle America right now. It's also available on Vimeo, a must watch there. You can get it on social. There are a lot of other platforms that are popping up, uh, popping up that are allowing this uh, film to grow. One of them is not Amazon. How about that? Some weird censorship stuff going on there. But the plot against the president, Amanda Millius, she comes from Hollywood royalty. Her father was the great screenwriter and director for movies like The uh, Red Dawn and um, so many other really important movies. My, one of my all-time uh, favorite movies, Apocalypse Now. Remember the great line? I, can, I love the smell of napalm in the morning from that great uh, military officer in uh, Vietnam. Some really awesome movies. Uh, her, she comes from that lineage. Uh, she served in the State Department for Donald Trump, and now she has her very first feature-length movie out, The Plot Against the President. It's based in part on Lee Smith. I show up in it. a lot of other characters that have been on this show, Devin Nunez, people like that, or are in the um, uh, Rudy Giuliani, Mike Flynn, Don Jr., all in the in the movie uh, it's worth watching we're going to spend most of the time with her i'm going to go to a quick commercial break when i come back i want to point out a couple quick stories and then we're going to uh, go right to our exclusive interview with the brand new filmmaker amanda milius in her first feature-length film the plot against the president right after these commercial messages hey folks you know what a small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking i should have brushed and flossed better a big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you gotta do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code just news at checkout. That's promo code just news at fieldofgreens.com. 
All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Hey, we're working on some big stories here at Just the News. I think they will break in the next couple of days. I'm going to give you a little taste of them. Uh, first is I've been doing some work on some new documents that were declassified, and it looks like the investigation of uh, Paul Manafort, the president's former campaign chairman, did not start in August when all the news stories broke, but may have started eight months earlier. And we're working on that. If that gets confirmed, and it certainly seems to be because I have FBI documents that state it so, then you might see some important questions like if they knew Paul Manafort was under investigation in January of 2016, why didn't they tell the president when he hired him? Why didn't he get a defensive briefing in March 2016 when he hired Manafort? And did they disclose this to the defense lawyers? Um, and uh, there are other things here. So we're working on that one. Another one we're working at, there's uh, been a lot of uh, buzz in the last few days, uh, maybe the last couple of weeks, since Senator Ron Johnson, Chuck Grassley, two Senate chairmen, released their report on Ukraine, Biden, Hunter Biden, Burisma. And one of the uh, uh, fire points has been the Democrats yelling, there's a Russian spy, there's a Russian propagandist, his name is Andrei Teloshenko. Now, we've all talked about him on this show. We know he was actually working for the Democrats for four or five years under the Obama-Biden administration. They like this guy. They embrace this guy. They're only throwing him under the bus now. And even the State Department, the bureaucrats of the State Department, have apparently blocked his visa, and they're keeping him from coming to the country, even though his parents live here. Uh, but I got something. We're going to be able to tell you in the next couple of days what information it was that Andrei Teloshenko gave the Senate committee earlier this year that they have not made public. That's a travesty. They haven't made it public yet. What he gave that set off alarm bells among the Democrats and the liberals on these committees, why the smear campaign against Andrei Teloshenko, a guy the Democrats used to embrace and love, they were having beer and coffee with him on a weekly, bi-weekly basis. This was their man in the Ukrainian government at the Ukraine embassy here in Washington. They've turned on him. Um, and we're going to be able to tell you what explosive information he provided the Senate committees that has not been made public that caused the Democrats to turn on their old Ukraine man coming up in the next couple of days. You're going to want to definitely see that important story. So those are two stories upcoming because you listen to this podcast, you get it first. We'll have those stories on justthenews.com in the coming days. And we'll probably come back on this show and talk about their import in a few days. Now, while we're doing that, uh, there is one story that we broke this morning. Uh, it's under my byline, and it talks about how Mark Zuckerberg's $250 million grant, this is a, a stunning amount of money. You're talking about a quarter billion dollars that Facebook's founder has given to a charity to give to election officials around the country. And we've had Daniel Payne on this show recently. He broke the story about the grant saying, hey, it's, there's a pattern here. It all seems to be going to Democratic enclaves, uh, cities with big Democratic votes, and none of it seems to be going to red America. And is this right? Do we really want major billionaires in America able to influence election by paying election officials in all of these different localities? So yesterday, through the good work of the Thomas More Institute, a conservative law legal action firm, legal action group, nonprofit group, uh, we obtained documents that have been ordered released by a federal court in Pennsylvania. And they show exactly how Mark Zuckerberg's money to the city of Philadelphia is being spent. And here's the shock. We have this liberal activist, billionaire, owner of Facebook, giving $10 million to Philadelphia, and that money is being used to pay I'm not making this up. The very election judges that will decide whether ballots should be counted or not. The very election people receiving the ballots, facilitating the ballots, opening up uh, new sites, uh, and uh, the application that we got for the money. So the city of Philadelphia applies to this uh, charity funded almost exclusively by Mark Zuckerberg. And the money that flows in delivers on a promise, the city officials have promised to grow uh, voting in Philadelphia to 800,000 voters this election. Now, let's keep in mind, Philadelphia votes 80% Democrat. Republicans barely break 15 or 20% in that city, and then there's some small parties that get in there. So the last time we had a vote in 2016, only 675,000 people voted. We're talking about a 125,000 vote growth in a Democratic enclave like Philadelphia, funded by Mark Zuckerberg and overseen by election officials who are, you're right, being paid by Mark Zuckerberg's money. Anyone 
see a conflict of interest, a concern that public officials, election officials are promising a voter turnout goal, promising a number of polling sites, 800 up from 190 in the primaries, and are allowing those election officials to be paid by private money. So all of this, these documents are in public. You can go see this story. Don't have to take my word for it. Go look at the documents, the court ordered release. We had them first at justthenews.com. That story's there. I think this is an important election integrity issue. We hope you do too. Read the story. Take a look at what the city officials promised. Take a look at what Mark Zuckerberg's group is demanding of the officials. And you decide, is this the form of democracy we want? Maybe we do. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe growing vote no matter where it is is what you want. But should wealthy billionaires be allowed to buy this access, buy these results? And I'm not talking about buying votes saying Democrat, but to buy guarantees that 800,000 people must show up or you don't get your money or 800 polling places must be opened or you don't get your money. Because that's what the contract says. When you look at the letter giving the money, the charity says we, we can withhold our money or ask for you to refund it if you don't hit your promised goals. Um, Take a look at this. You decide. Talk about it with your friends. That's why we write stories like this, not only to write them, but to give you the raw documents, the raw videos, the raw audio, and let you make up your own mind. We report. You decide. We inform. We don't indoctrinate. Uh, we hope this story about election funding uh, catches your fancy and you get a chance to talk about it with your friends and you decide if this is something that scares you or excites you. Maybe maybe you find this a good idea. All right, we're going to go to that commercial break one more time. Remember, we love our sponsors and advertisers. They make the show. They make just the news possible. Support them every way you can. I do. I just bought some new stuff from my pillow. I just bought some new Kansas City steaks. I'm setting up my Simply Safe security system at my cabin. I love these products. I use my Clean Phone Pro almost every day when I get home from work. I hope you do too. If you haven't bought these products or checked out these products and services, uh, go to the jtnshop.com. Listen to the advertisers about to speak to you. Support them because they make this great news organization and this show possible. Thank you in advance for even considering it. All right, when we come back from the commercial break, the new filmmaker, Amanda Melius, and her first feature-length film, The Plot Against the President. You're right, the deep state plot against Donald Trump and the Russiagate scandal brought to the big screen by this enormous, famous, successful filmmaker in Hollywood. She's starting a second generation in the Milius family. We're going to talk to Amanda Milius in a few seconds right after this commercial break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as I promised, a very special guest, the producer of the brand new movie, The Plot Against the President, Amanda Milius joins us. Amanda, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to be here. Well, congratulations. Your movie is all over the place. I, I, I go down the street and people say, did you see that movie you were in? And I said, yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> that's so awesome. That's good. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, thank you for uh, being a part of it. I think we held you hostage for several hours, and uh, <laughs> it's a good thing we did. I loved uh, it. It was a lot of fun. Because your interview was so, so important. Um, oh, I think you. I told you when I ran into you that uh, when we were trying to edit it down from four and a half hours to 90 minutes, um, frequently we were like, well, we've got to fit this really complex topic into two seconds. And it was like, go to Solomon's bin. Let's oh. see if he talks about it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, you did a marvelous job and there were so many great voices in the movie and you took something so complicated and you made it really simple and you tied it all together. It was 
it's a real masterpiece of, of uh, film and, and storytelling and of, I think public service too. Now I want to wow, introduce I want to introduce you to our audience because uh, you come from a little bit of Hollywood royalty. Uh, yes. You you did some public service yourself at the State Department and elsewhere, and and now you got this great movie. Uh, tell us a little bit about what it was like to grow grow up with your dad, John, one of the one of the greatest screenwriters in Hollywood history. Um, well, it was unique. Uh, yeah, my dad is uh, John Milius. He um, wrote and directed a lot of uh, very popular movies in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Um, he wrote Apocalypse Now. He directed and wrote Red Dawn, which is becoming um, sort of the movie. Uh, it's got a real nostalgic moment right now. It does, doesn't really, it? Yeah. People are having a Red Dawn moment. Absolutely. Um, which is great. It's one of my favorites. And uh, Conan the Barbarian and Wind in the Lion and uh, a lot of great, wow. um, what great great things that people people on our side really like. I noticed in L.A. and Hollywood, um, you know, you'd get way fewer people kind of, you know, they knew who he was at my film school and stuff, obviously, and like, you know, in the industry. But right. you didn't get people coming up to you saying, oh, my God, your dad made my favorite movie. That only started happening when I moved to D.C. No um, kidding. Yeah, because he, I guess, you know, I, when I met uh, Newt Gingrich, actually, he was like, I love Wind in the Lion. I've memorized it. It's my favorite thing. So I got him a, um, I got him a signed script of that uh, for uh, Uncle Newt there. Um, but, um, <laughs> How cool but, is that? Uh, yeah, it's very cool. Because I mean, obviously, my dad respects these guys so much. And he's, he's really, um, he's, you know, he's, pre he's very right wing. And that was very weird in Hollywood. People didn't, um, there was definitely a tension between his politics and Hollywood, but it wasn't like it is now. If it was like it is now, he never would have had a job at all, or he would wow. have his politics to himself. Isn't which that I just amazing to think all these great movies yeah. that wouldn't have been made in the cancel culture of 2021. Wow, crazy! Oh, absolutely. I can't even. Uh, I can't even believe that um, he kind of made it through as much as he did. I mean, they they did pretty much cancel him after. Red Dawn because it was his most I think it was his largest box office movie right and yet he didn't really write or I mean he didn't really direct again or have anything of uh you know I mean he he I think he did um Flight of the Intruder right in the 90s which is I I thought no one saw that movie but apparently it's really big um for the Navy which is great so there <laughs> I've, wow. I've only realized that out here How everybody about that? loves it yeah so that's good niche audiences um, important niche audiences that's important yeah. that's a huge audience well that's kind of what i'm yeah. doing which is just i'm foregoing i just don't care about the hollywood audience at all so i'm just gonna do the dc thing um and and you know uh make movies here i don't have any interest in winning over hollywood because it's just not i i just don't care about them um and he didn't really either you know and i think i learned i learned a lot from him in that way which is just don't like don't care what people think about you and certainly don't care what they say about you. And that's a pretty good lesson to learn when you're sure. really young. Uh, and it allows you to think for yourself and not go along with the, the, the people around you. You know, I don't know otherwise, how, how did I grow up in LA and I'm, <laughs> you know, to the right of Attila the Hun. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, um, I think it was a good lesson. And my mom is conservative too. You know, they're both, um, I think on the board of the NRA and right. my mom was a champion shotgun so shooter. Your mom is Celia um, Kay, the actress, right? Yeah, she's yeah. an actress. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was definitely a stranger, more, more unique upbringing in the middle of liberal Los Angeles. But, you know, a lot of the best conservatives come from West side LA. Like you've got, um, you know, Steve Bannon spent a long time That's there. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, Andrew Breitbart, literally around the corner from where I grew up. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Miller. Like, I mean, it's all, there's actually quite a lot of really hardcore conservatives uh, from LA. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. You don't, you don't think of that until you start to, to do the list. Yeah. And of course, there was the, the group Friends of Abe, right? For a long time. That, oh, yeah. That, that, that was, uh, that was a trip. Yeah. yeah. Friends of Abe is. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Andrew know. was uh, yeah. Andrew was involved, and I actually accidentally outed it in a story I wrote. At, at, at that point, it had been sort of a secret, and then I accidentally wrote a story at the Washington Times that mentioned it, and they're like, "Oh my God, you outed us!" And uh, who, who That's knew? That's so funny. So funny. Yeah. What what great memories. So you're you're going to USC. You're in the Fame Film School there. You're doing great. You you have a little 
thesis short called Lotus Gun, and then you decide to go work for a certain real estate mogul who's running for president, right? Yes. And uh, I basically, I was touring my thesis film because it had gotten in about 40 different film festivals over the wow. course of a, a year and a half, um, which is kind of what you're supposed to do. That's that's their traditional route, right. you know, to beginning a traditional film career. You go to the film school, you make, you know, your thing, and then you tour it around and, and see who bites. And it actually did really well, um, weirdly, because it was a uh, very libertarian right wing theme buried under a couple of concepts that I think people just um, went along with. It was like a post-apocalyptic lesbian weed Western. Wow. Um, and so, <laughs> so There's a mix. It was a little weird. Wow. But uh, yeah, I, so I, I got a lot of really good reviews from like um, outlets that probably will not give good reviews to this one. Um, <laughs> but um, But anyway, so I was touring the movie and then I had all this time off because I was three weeks in town, three weeks out. I wasn't doing a consistent thing. So then during my time off, I was um, obviously really obsessed with what was happening politically. I was supportive of the president from the escalator speech on. I mean, I loved everything he was saying. Immigration was my number one issue. Um, I was 100% there. And so I started volunteering for the campaign in Nevada because it was the closest swing right. state. So I would drive out and stay in this crappy little motel and like live there for a few weeks at a time wow. and then work at the, the you know, the, the state office there. And then eventually they hired me and I was just like, I'm just going to do this. And then when we won, um, I thought that was it. I was like, well, you know, now I'll go back to L.A. But. Uh, some people on the campaign convinced me they were like, well, you know, you should sign up to work in the administration. And I was like, that's not possible. I've never studied politics formally. Like I have no I, I don't even like the government. I don't think I should work in it, <laughs> which I think a lot of Republicans say. Sure. And then I was told, you know, no, that's exactly the reason why you should join the administration, because we need people that um, believe in the president and the mission and don't have any connections in D.C. and don't have any reason to sell out the administration for their own agenda. So I left. I just packed up and moved to D.C. to an apartment that I'd never seen and just stayed for three and a half forever. Wow. <laughs> I never went back. How about that? That's a that's a transformation. And you worked at the State Department, right? Yeah. So I got hired. So at the what State was that Department. like? I mean, I I well, I, I wanted it because there was a point when, you know, people were joining the administration. I had somebody say to me, they're like, hey, you should come work at NASA because it's really apolitical. Nobody fights. It's just about, you know, the mission, space right? stuff. Yeah. And it's 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 really chill. It's a really chill government job. And I was like, that's not what I want. I don't want to go where it's relaxed. I was like, I want to go to the heart of like the belly of the beast. Like there's no point in me joining the administration if I'm not going to go fight for the president's policies in the hardest place that we can be in. So that was State Department. I and um, magically I got hired. And, uh, you know, I became actually the job that I had made a lot of sense. I was the deputy assistant secretary for content in public affairs. Um, sure. Right up which, your alley. Right. Which is like telling the American story, explaining American policies um, in via content. And I don't really think there is anybody else in the administration who could do that. I don't think there are any other filmmakers in the administration. Yeah, probably not. I can't think of any. Yeah. So I think I had a I happened to land in the right place. So I was I was in charge of that sort of department of the uh, creatives in government, if you can imagine, yeah. uh, which was which was pretty cool. So so that was good. But then, you know, you spend as a political appointee, you spend half your time fighting out political issues and half your time doing your actual job. I mean, right. the amount of time you spend fighting the swamp creatures and not just the you know, what you would expect, which would be like the career um, folks, which most of the time actually weren't, you know, the problematic ones were really problematic, but most of them are, are not, you know, especially in my department, not really a problem. Um, but the, the people who joined the administration to subvert it, that's really where the big problems are. The bad politicals are worse than, um, you know, 10 bad careers wow. because they can do so much damage. Well, there's something you don't hear every day. So, so the Trump administration appoints people that actually is working against it. Is that? I mean, we've seen that all the time. Yeah, we you have. Got the anonymous yeah. person, and then you've got, um, and then for some reason, especially at state, we keep promoting people who outwardly work against the president 
Um, I have no idea why some of these people are still uh, even allowed in the building. Wow. I mean, you know, you know, you you and I certainly know a handful of folks. Uh, uh, we won't mention, but. Yeah. You know, I, I saw, listen, I saw a lot of things where the president would give an order and then someone wouldn't carry it out. And you wonder, well, how can that be? I mean, he's in charge of the government. The Constitution says he's in charge. And then you'd find out that uh, his his order, his wish, his instruction wasn't followed out. And I guess this explains it, right? You've got sort of two pots, right? You've got the career people and then you've got the political people that are not on the same page as the, as the administration. And that makes for a pretty powerful alliance. And I assume... When you start to see that at work for a while, right? You're you're in the State Department, what two or three years, I think, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah, three years. three years. I mean, and the other the other thing, you know, that you said uh, well in the film, which is another reason why they didn't carry out his orders, is because half of them were convinced he was a Russian asset, wow. and that's the danger in doing this information warfare on the entire population. Is Such that includes point. government officials, right? Yeah. And so you're you're like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do on this issue. And, you know, a, a percentage of the people that you're trying to get that you need to pull the levers of government and make things work are sitting there going, oh, well, I, I saw on CNN tonight that, you know, the president and all his people are, are compromised Russian assets. So I'm just going to I'm just going to decide, you know, I'll just do what right. I want to do and just carry on the last administration's policy. Right, right, right. And so you're fighting this massive uphill battle and it's impossible. I mean, I had a conversation with somebody the first year I was in state. It was the craziest conversation I've ever had. It was, I was trying, you know, luckily I didn't have, uh, this person didn't have any authority really, but they were completely convinced uh, that the administration was, was going to be gone within six months. This is the messaging that they were putting out. And if anything, it just made it impossible to govern. Right. So, you know what I mean? They're, they're like, oh, well, we just have to wait these crazy people out for six months and then we can do what we want. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, and it's the just, clock. that's so dangerous. There's nothing yeah. more dangerous. And if you're in government, you're like, you know, you're, you're going to give the credence of uh, uh, or you're going to accept the FBI's word that, oh, there's something wrong here. That's why we opened up a counterintelligence investigation. It takes three right. years to find out you really shouldn't have trusted that investigation. It was a ruse. And um, it's remarkable. And that was the point. You yeah, know? I exactly mean, the, the point. I, I, yeah, so it's it's they've succeeded. I mean, a lot of people are like, okay, thank God they didn't succeed. But they and, already and did. And I kind of say, well, they did because yeah. we were in government, and it's it's actually really amazing that the administration was able to do so many um, of these, ha accomplish so many of the things that they did, considering they were fighting with both hands uh, the entire time, either the Russia hoax or the Ukraine hoax or you know whatever it was. Um, it, it was just made things so much more difficult. Yeah, it's amazing. So I assume that that context, seeing that play out, you know, the political is against the president because they believe the FBI was probably right about the Russia thing. and Or they were just out for themselves. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing is if you hire one Bushy, right. which is what we talk about, um, <laughs> they hire themselves. They'll get all their friends in government. If you if, I mean, you know, I, just to be fair, I'm not talking about not all not all Bushies, but most Bushies. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> are really terrible and they get they get in government and then they hire everybody they ever knew in washington wow. who've been living here for the last 10 years and Hence my the swamp uh, dynamic. You know, rick Rinell says what was that the swamp dynamic you bring all your friends yeah, exactly in. Yeah. and rick says the best thing which i think is absolutely true which is no more people with dc addresses in the government like we absolutely need people from all over the country real people real america real people who have real jobs and who know how the economy works so and, interesting um, yeah, that's what we need. That's wild. All right, so you get this context, right? You're watching these sort of two layers of government, the the anti-Trump political layer and the uh, permanent bureaucracy layer. Does that give you some context to take the leap and say, I'm going to go make a movie called The Plot Against the President, which, of course, is based <laughs> on Lee Smith's great uh, movie. But how much was the experience on the inside of government in influencing or influential in your decision to go make a movie like this? Well, I think it helped in the fact that I knew a lot of the players either by either directly as actual uh, associates and friends of mine or coworkers um, or, you know, one step removed. And so I think I had the trust of a lot of the first person um, sources that were either featured in Lee's book or were, um, you know, extended extended folks that we we added in um, because they knew that I was coming from you know, you can't fake that. Like you can't right. work in the Trump administration for three and a half years and not be pretty MAGA. Um, 
Uh, I think it's, I think, I think I, that for that reason, and then also because I made it pretty clear that I wasn't going to, no matter what, I wasn't going to sell the movie to some giant corporation and let them re-edit it and make everybody look like idiots. Right. Um, so, so the, I think for that, so being in government, I think helped kind of a understand the, the way that government works and also to have been somebody who didn't come from government. So I think I'm good at explaining how it works to people who aren't in dc and in government because it's a very complicated web it's a it's a mess so um i think for that reason i had a good perspective on it and then it just kind of became you know not to sound too uh dramatic or or ridiculous about it but i think i just realized i had to do it i don't think there's anybody else that was going to be able to do it because there again there's not that many filmmakers in the administration sure or in in on the right like a lot of the um the films that get made on the right, which is, you know, thank God they do. We need more of them. But a lot of it is like an issue focused person who decides they want to who's who decides they want to make a movie um, who decides, you know, it's, it's more like, OK, well, I really care about, you know, the Second Amendment. And so I'm, you know, a Second Amendment person. I'm going to make a movie about the Second Amendment instead of coming at it from a film. I'm a filmmaker who happens. To, you know what I mean? Like I'm a yeah. film person. You're a storyteller. As opposed to a political person, uh, you know, going into filmmaking, which is you need both. There's nothing wrong with either. You need both. But I think for that reason, um, I uh, when the when the opportunity came up, I I realized I really had to, um, even if I didn't really want to. I mean, you know, I left my nice, cushy government job um, (laughs) at uh, the first week of Corona or something Mm -hmm. to try and start my own business and make a movie that was going to make me the target of all of the people that just tried to take down the president so i was like this was a little bit of a crazy idea but um you know it needed to happen it worked out i'm amazed we got it done in time frankly it was Um, remarkable watching you in action because you were crunching right down to the last minute but when you yeah when you got this done uh how do you boil this down i mean one of the things in talking to middle america who have busy days right they're worried about their kids and soccer and covid and school and work and double jobs and paying the bills how did you boil down and what is the boil down message the elevator speech of what is the real storyline of the plot against the president well, I would say, I mean, yeah, that's exactly why I made it, because people don't have time to put, you know, uh, a flow chart together on their living room wall, um, you know, of everything yeah. that happens. And I, I would say it was both an offensive and a, de- a defensive maneuver by, um, you know, the Obama administration, the DNC, the Hillary campaign and the intelligence agencies and the FBI. I mean, you just list the bad guys list is so long. It's not a good elevator pitch, but by the bad guys. Um to a number one um delegitimize an administration and a president that they thought threatened their way of life and their hold on power and b to cover up and distract from their crimes because actually i think you say it very well in the movie which is that it is both a offensive and a defensive um maneuver this 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 russiagate hoax because it was both an aggressive uh, attack to against the Trump administration and, and the president and himself and his close associates, and also a you know flash bomb. Uh, look over here! Don't 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 get don't get uh, any time to dig into our crimes um, maneuver because yeah. it really was both. Right, and we see more of that every day. Right now, we know uh, since the movie was made that the CIA believed that Hillary Clinton had authorized this dirty trick to vilify Trump and to take attention away from her own liabilities with email and Russia and other things. So uh, that that storyline, which is you know, so poignantly created in your movie, is even more affirmed now by the release of that declassified document recently. So it is Hillary playing defense to protect her own liabilities and then going on offense to destroy the president's opportunity to win the election. When he wins the election, destroy the opportunity to succeed as a president. When you, uh, you, you have... Uh, it's a your movie is this incredible story that has a million little stories in it. What's the yeah, what's yeah. the one anecdote that you think most explains the the villainous nature of the plot against uh, against Trump? How how all these forces colli- uh, colluded together to? Is there one anecdote that you learned in the course of this from either Lee's book or from the um, various witness subjects that just cements it all together for you? Just how villainous this all was. 
Well, I'd say there's, well, there's, there's two, there's the most villainous thing, but also I should mention what I wish we had more time to go into, which is the, in the movie, which is what you told me about the poll um, that Hillary had done that, or the DNC had done that, that sorted out that um, right. Hillary's biggest weakness was Russia and her reset and her corruption uh, related to Russia. And that that's why no matter who the Republican candidate was, they were going to pin some kind of Russian thing on them and that it was pre-cooked even yeah. from then. I mean, I, that was a pretty complicated beginning. And I wish that, um, you know, again, the, the four and a half hour version of the movie is going to be, which we're going to put out in a series of, um, of eight little mini mini series. Um, is uh, has a lot more in those different areas that people can delve into. And that's one of the things that I think is really important. Um, and to give you credit, that's in your that's in your book. And I talked about that last night, actually. Um, the other the most villainous thing, though, I would say is what they did to General Flynn. The fact that all of these agencies could coordinate together um, from Susan Rice helping to unmask the Trump uh, campaign officials and their and their daily lives. Uh, that had nothing to do with Russia, um, all the way to the FBI agents um, altering yeah. the th- the the, uh, the 302s, the way that they did the interview with Michael Flynn, and now the Justice Department, um, everything that the Justice Department did, and then even down to the judge himself um, refusing to let the case go. I think it's it touches almost every area of government, and it's a micro. It's like it's not a microcosm, but it's the individual. Um, example of what they're doing to the president and the administration on, on a whole, uh, which is why we use Flynn, of course, as the the through line and kind of the character who goes through this entire process. Um, you know, it's very it's he's very sympathetic. And and I, I would say that that's that's the worst thing to me is, is how it what is they've remarkable. done to Michael Flynn. You think about now that the analysts on the front line were worried that they needed liability insurance because they thought what they were doing would ultimately get them sued. And the yeah. lead FBI agent worried he was going to come under investigation because he kept seeing his bosses overrule or, or not follow the law and continue to pursue Flynn when the law said there's no wrongdoing, leave him alone. Uh, it just brings a chill up our spines to think that that was inside our government and that was the crushing power of yeah, the state carrying that out. Yeah, I hope out. they do get sued and I hope they all lose their houses and I hope <laughs> that their families are destroyed and I hope that they have to rebuild the entire agency and department from scratch. And I, I think that I don't feel sorry for them at all. If they were having those conversations about having liability yeah, insurance and all that, up. they should have said something and done something, but instead they let the integrity of their um, their beloved institution go down the drain. And I don't mind saying really harsh things like that. You know, some people are like, well, you know, it's just some bad apples. I don't care. Um, I, I, it's too, you know, one of the things you talked to, to me about was, um, you know, your story of those guys that came and talked to you and they said, um, you know, these tools that the American public has entrusted us with, uh, you know, such as FISA, and tools like that are meant to keep us safe. And they always hide under this, you know, ridiculous pretext of, oh, we're, we're, we're here keeping you safe. We sure. can't tell you what we're doing, yeah. that it's in Trust your best us. interest that we don't give you this information and keep you safe. Yeah. I don't see how them spying on me and my phone is keeping me safe. And yeah. I don't really feel very safe with the FBI being the way that it is. And the same with the intelligence agencies. They, they don't make me feel safe at all. And I would feel a lot safer if they didn't exist and were rebuilt from scratch. That's an interesting, uh, you know, there are a lot of people I'm talking to that feel the way. It's hard for me. I grew up in a law enforcement family. So you grew up in Hollywood. I grew up right. in, in a- Well, my uh, brother's my brother's a DA, so ah, he's probably- uh, How about that? Um, horrified. <laughs> yeah. You know, I grew up with eight FBI agents sleeping on our couch or DEA agents hanging out the house. And, and it was sort of, you know, I grew up in this culture of blue. And yet, in the in the course of that, it, it's become clear that the generation that runs these agencies and have risen to the top are not the same guys that were sleeping on my dad's couch and and in you know, catching no. bad guys twenty twenty five years ago. Somehow, um, the culture has changed for the worse. And I, and uh, you, you're on to something that I think there's a watershed moment coming for these agencies about whether they're on the right course or so far off course that they need to be deconstructed and reconstructed. So. Well, yeah, and I want them to exist because I want sure. them to protect us from terrorists yeah. and from from all of the threats that we face. But right now, um, 
we are America is is the threats are are foreign and they're also from them because if you're sure. a person who's got a, a member of the wrong political party right. and friends with the wrong people and voted for the wrong person, you are just as in danger of having your life destroyed by the intelligence agencies and the FBI as you are by any foreign actor. Yeah. And so that's a that's the that we're at that's the end of the line. It's like an that's, amazing that's thing it. to think like about. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. and and you've you've put it that way as well. I mean, having a false reality created about you, losing your job, losing your ab- ability to do anything—that is destruction. Like, what's what you know? What foreign actor is doing that? You know, sure. Who, who's more likely to do to do that? The the activists in the FBI, or or a foreign actor? I'd say it's pretty equal. Yeah, um, no, I agree. <laughs> which is really dangerous. I agree. These are these are troubling times. And, you know, there it's funny. There are people on all sides of the political spectrum that can see it. They're the, the longtime libertarians and liberals who have had this concern about the rising growth of power and the possibility that it would be politicized as opposed to used for good things. Then you've got conservatives who long have been pro-law enforcement that <laughs> watch this plot carry out. And uh, they, there was a moment in, in the not-so-distant future where they could theoretically merge and, and create a cataclysmic change to these uh, institutions, but time in this election will tell us. So um, as you look out, and we've got a few more minutes here, I just want to ask you this question. Um, After all you've done in the movie uh, and the storytelling, all you saw on the inside of government, what do you see is at stake in this election? We're we're 15, 14 days away from election day, two weeks from today. Uh, What what do you see as the ultimate stakes in this uh, 2020 election? Well, I guess I would say, I mean, to to stay in my lane um, uh, regarding as as like so as the person that put the film together, um, I would say I'm I'm going to try and not think about it in a partisan way because I think that's where they've been able to pull off a lot of this this hoax mm-hmm. is to convince most of the country that. If one group believes one thing, your job is to believe the opposite. Right. And that's what's made it so hard. So I would say what's at stake is our, as a country, connection to reality. We don't have any um, uh, news sources. Our institutions are nearly destroyed. And there's going to be a lot of rebuilding that needs to happen. And um, I don't see that happening uh, unless there's some major... Um, I guess I would say consequences for for the last for what happened for what for what all of these people did in the last three years for for these various hoaxes and and pretend investigations right. and abuses. Um, so I would say that our entire republic is really at stake. Um, it's it sounds annoying because who who doesn't say that every right, election? Right. I mean, every election since I've been alive, it's the most important election. But it really is. Um, it really is. And and something has to come from this or else they're only going to be encouraged if they don't actually lose all their power. Then they're why? Why would they stop? Great they point. could just keep creating yeah. hoaxes. And it's it's practically free becomes, for them. Yeah becomes a new reality. I mean, this will become the new the new way forward. Well, you you laid out so articulately all of the wrongdoing in this movie and, and the misuse of power, the abuse of power. Um, well, it's because I had good subjects. Yeah. Who are, there's a reason I don't interview myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a great storyteller. Let me tell you that. The um, uh, when when you look at this, the the we're now two weeks from election day. Nothing's going to happen at the Justice Department to any other people other than the one FBI ex FBI lawyer that got charged with a crime. What is the consequence of going into the 2020 election day without having punished the people who carried this out in 2016? How frustrated are you? And what's the long-term consequence that, at least up to this point, a lot of people got away with stuff? I mean, we're kind of screwed. Like, because no matter what happens in the election, like I said, if you don't punish these people, they're just going to keep doing it. And they're, they're going to keep doing it to anybody. I mean, imagine the audacity of this FBI to to literally, and, and the news outlets, after all of this has happened, after everything has been proven untrue about the various hoaxes, to go out there and say that Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian disinfo, it's almost self-parody. Yeah. I mean, they ha- someone has to have laughed when they put that together, where you're like, did they put the meth pipe in his mouth too like was that a russian pl- what are you talking about i mean yeah. i'm gonna start using that every time i get in trouble for anything or i do something stupid yep. i'm just gonna say it was russian disinfo yeah. because apparently that's something you could do and i mean that's yeah it's 
sorry, not to I, I go on the, <laughs> the tangent, no, but, it, but yeah, I mean, obviously they haven't been punished. And this is basically we're going to live in non-reality. That's the that's the outcome is that we're going to be sitting here and every single time there's any breaking news about anything, you'll never know if it's real or not um, unless you personally know what actually happened. And um, and half the country is always just going to believe the opposite. Yeah, it's a frightening concept, isn't it? Now, you, you've you got this great movie under your belt. It's getting rave reviews. A lot of people are talking about it. It, it really has become a, a, a very compact storyline to understand this very complex narrative of the plot against the president. What's next for you? What, what do you how do you top this? <laughs> well, I never thought I was going to make movies again anyway. When I left the uh, yeah. when I left L.A. and I moved to do politics, uh, I really didn't expect to do a movie again. Um, I didn't really actually want to initially because it's a, it's a lot of work. Right, right. <laughs> and it's really hard. And uh, I thought I would just produce and I wouldn't direct anymore. But we need, we realized we had, I had to, I mean, I, I had to, there was no other way to do it. This movie right. had to be done. I'm the only person that could have really done it. I just didn't trust anybody else. So, um, so I mean, right now my little company is actually growing. Uh, the company 1AMDC that I created to make this movie Actually, we're getting a lot of um, interest both on the talent end and on the project. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people that want a um, capable production company to, to make things that's, um, you know, that's that's got a taste level that I would hope is is, you know, on par with with more of the higher end um, products that are coming out of out of Hollywood, but sure. not with the agenda. No. So. There's a real hunger for that because this entire audience has not been served by Hollywood. So Great point. Um, we've got a we've got a lot of really good projects coming up that I'm producing um, <clears throat> and a lot of talent reaching out to us saying, you know, really, really, really top talent saying, um, I want hey, it, huh? you know, yeah, like this is what I do. I'm, I'm secretly right wing and I can't tell anybody in my industry, but I'd love to come work on this. So we've got a really amazing um, thing coming together. So I would say there's a lot of interesting projects on the horizon that we're already already in production on so there's going to be a lot more um i think i'm just going to cultivate this this little little company that i created to do this movie apparently cool i thought it'd that? be just one thing but now it's going to be a lot more so that's yeah, good yeah no it's amazing opportunity uh, is there a biden story in the future for you <laughs> um i think i'm going to take a break for yeah. a minute but um but yeah well there's going to i mean luckily dc is really um a constantly uh, churning um, oh, yeah. source for stories. So there's yeah, no, there's no, there's, doubt. There's no end. Of, why so uh, many great television dramas have been based on DC, right? Why we had the West yeah, Wings and all. Yeah, it's just endless uh, corruption and good guys and bad guys. And uh, actually one thing I can mention is that I'm, I'm going to um, this winter do, uh, I think I'm going to co-write a book about um, Hollywood and China's influence there. Wow. So I think that's a really important issue, and it sure I've seen is. it pretty up close. So um, I think that's that's got to get that's got to get dealt with. Wow, that's fantastic! Uh, tell people how they can see this movie because uh, the Amazons of the world aren't yet embracing it. Uh, imagine that. Yeah, I mean, it was supposed to be live on Amazon, Amazon Prime, uh, five days ago, and conveniently, they have told us something that our distributor says he's never seen before, and he has hundreds of titles on Amazon, which wow. is we're under an extended content review, mm, um, and I believe they're also doing that to Dinesh's movie, although I'm not sure, but I think they're, so it's, uh, you know, anyway, uh, so in the meantime, what I would suggest is follow us on Twitter, um, go to our website, which is www.patpmovie.com, which is Plot Against the President movie. Um, and we've got a Watch It Now link, which will always be updated with more platforms. Right now, Vimeo On Demand is the best place to see it. Um, That's where I watched it. And yeah. yeah, Vimeo On Demand is great. It looks beautiful. And we also have two streaming platforms linked on our website that are free speech friendly. It'll never be taken down. It's a really great place for political content. And both of those platforms launched with us um, as their wow. first. So as their first what product. are those platforms? Uh, the platforms are mymoviesplus.com uh -huh. and um, specialproject.io. So those are both also linked there if you want to support a right. free speech friendly platform. And Vimeo on demand, you can watch it on your TV, you can watch it on um, your laptop, et cetera, et cetera. And it's playing in theaters, actually. If you also click um, on our website, 
we're adding five more theaters every week. Wow. So if you want it in your town, it's playing. And we're, we're starting with middle America and then going out as opposed to the other way around. Um, this is the anti-Hollywood movie. So we're starting in, <laughs> starting in South Dakota and going out as opposed to New York and L.A. and going in. So uh, it's playing in about uh, eight different cities across America right now. And it grows every day. So check the uh, link. Congratulations. Buy tickets. It's a, it's Thank a, you. It's a real labor of love you did. And it's an amazing story. It's told so well. It's visually compelling. It, it's got a great frame for a storyline. You can really understand it. Folks, if you haven't seen it, do it before election day. It's worth it. The plot against the president by the amazing, the one and only Amanda Milius. Thank you so much, Amanda, <laughs> for joining us today. Let's have you back on soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much, John. This was so fun. Ah, same here. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Bite.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Bite. All right, folks, that wraps up another John Solomon Reports podcast edition. I'm so grateful you're here. I hope you enjoyed Amanda's interview. She said some pretty provocative things. That quote, the one quote I'm going to remember more than any other from this show today is Amanda saying that the political appointees that Trump um, appointed that were against his agenda may have been more dangerous than those that the Republicans call the deep state, the permanent bureaucracy. Think about that. There were people, she says, in the State Department she saw working against the president's agenda, who got their job as a political appointees from Donald Trump, and she calls them more dangerous than even the career bureaucrats of the deep state, as Sean Hannity and some of the conservatives call them. I call them the permanent bureaucracy because they, they live beyond presidents and serve multiple presidents. Uh, but that's a pretty profound statement from a woman who just created a pretty impressive movie that tells the story of Russiagate like none other has told it. Um, we're so grateful for Amanda's time today. We're so grateful you listened to the show. And yes, we're coming back tomorrow. Maybe, just maybe, we'll have someone from Congress joining us. We'll let you know tomorrow morning. Until then, check out justthenews.com and all the breaking headlines. Remember to watch our new shows on Real America's Voice, the TV network. It's on Dish Network, Channel 219, on the Pluto Network, Channel 240, on justthenews.com. You can go to the TV tab and see it there all day long. And tonight, a very very special event. We're doing our very first special at Just the News on Real America's Voice on the website. It's called Blue Courage, a salute to America's law enforcement. You do not want to miss this incredible uh, event tonight. Eight o'clock on our site on Real America's Voice. We're going to honor a widow of a slain police officer, and she's going to announce an amazing gift to another recently widowed uh, wife of a brave police officer, uh, on one night celebration of all the great things that the men and women in blue do for us in America to keep us safe. I come from law enforcement family. My father and my brother served a total of 75 years between them. I love them and their service. I love their friends and the men and women that worked alongside them. And um, I hope you tonight get a chance to check out this extraordinary one hour special called Blue Courage, exclusively from Just the News and Real America's Voice. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with more from justthenews.com and John Solomon Reports. Have a good night.